0: Hi, I'm Kendall Gilding and welcome to My 30 Minutes with Rachel Mellors-Smith. Rachel is the founder, owner, designer and creative director of Australian fashion label Apero. Based in Brisbane, it's a business she built from the ground up with humble beginnings in the spare room of her mum's house. She's spent time in New York working as an assistant stylist on films, designed countless best-selling dresses for other brands and now she gets to call the shots as the boss of her own company all while still only being in her late 20s. What I love most about Rachel is she's community-minded. Apero donates 5% of their online sales to women's community shelters. Even from the first month of trading when they barely made any money, they still chose to donate. I hope you enjoy My 30 Minutes with Rachel Mellers smith Rachel, welcome to My 30 Minutes. I'm so excited to have you here. I feel like I should disclose before we get going that you are my best friend. That's a bit cheeky.
1: (laughs) Probably. Good good to throw it in.
0: So I feel like people should know that from the outset, that when we're talking, I'm going to know a freakish level of stuff about you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And that's because we're good friends. Um, We've travelled together. We celebrate all our birthdays together. We went to Europe last year. So we've spent a fair bit of time together, which means... We just know a lot about each other, so it's not a bad thing, but when I'm finishing your sentences, that'll be why. (laughs) Let's get started by talking about your love of fashion. When did you first become convinced that it was something that you wanted to pursue as a career?
1: Um, I think fashion is sort of something I've always loved. I definitely sort of, I think became really aware of it when I was like, maybe around grade four, I just, I just have this distinct, four. yeah, I have this distinct memory of like being in grade four and saying to mum, like, I want to be a wedding dress designer. And, um, I don't know, it's really random, but yeah, I've definitely loved fashion sort of from a really young age and I just stuck with it pretty much the whole way through school. Um, and yeah, I don't know, I haven't really ever faltered from the idea of fashion Sort of just been must have been my destiny.
0: That's incredible. You must be like nine when you're in year four. That's phenomenal. Yeah, I know. You
1: did study fashion
0: at uni, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I did. I did. I um did a sort of fashion business degree, and yeah, it it, it definitely helped. But I would say I learned a lot more afterwards.
0: You have pursued a lot of different um, fashion career paths in a in a kind of strange way. Tell me about those different areas that you've worked.
1: Um, yeah, well, I guess I've sort of dabbled in a lot of different fashion, um, sectors. I sort of, you know, always wanted to do design specifically. And I think, I don't know where along the way I sort of veered from that a bit, but I kind of, I wanted to try a bit of everything to really make sure that I loved, um, you know, what I ended up doing, I suppose. So I, I worked in a bit of wholesale, I worked in styling, I worked in sales, I sort of like, you know, initially did retail as most people do and um, and from their styling and um, was able to work in in a high-end kind of Australian boutique, which really helped because I was able to um, sort of get a lot of experience with then like store merchandising and, um, yeah, then I worked in wholesale and um, product development. Um, yeah, just sort of a, a bunch of different areas and I, I actually went back and studied a small um creative writing and editing course at uni as well. Cause I thought, oh, actually I want to do like magazine editing and styling and, um, yeah, sort of just along the path of, of doing all of those different things. I sort of figured out that, um, design was kind of where I wanted to be. And that was sort of where, what landed me here.
0: Was your first job like that typical kind of fashion retail job?
1: Yeah. I think my first job was sports girl. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's a perfect fit for you yeah, as yeah as a months. teenager. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, fl- I thought it was so cool. I was like, so, yeah, you know, I just remember being like, "Oh my god, I work at Sports Girl." It would
0: have been cool at fourteen <laughs> yeah, and nine yeah. months, as you say. They're like legal Everyone was age working for at working. Like
1: the, yeah, like at the fruit store or you know, like a, 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 a like a restaurant or something. And I was like, "Oh, I work at Sports Girl, so yeah. good." <laughs>
0: Very cool job. You ended up in New York, and um, you went over there as a bit of a, I guess, just a, I want to call it a gap year, but it was after
1: yeah. uni. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's a bit of a program for Australians that you can do. Um, I don't know if it still exists, but I was able to do a one year in America um, a working visa, I suppose. And it's it's if you've finished uni or completed uni in the last 12 months. So I went over there and it was definitely like to be an experience and just um, to gain experience in the fashion industry and I guess just to sort of have fun as well. But um, yeah, it was very, yes, very eye-opening.
0: What did you do when you were over there? Was it hard to find work or anything that it was related to fashion?
1: Well, I actually started emailing people like almost straight away when I, well, I, I decided I wanted to go. I did a bit of a uni um, trip to New York while I was studying. And then I was like, I'm definitely going to live in New York if I can. And so I saved up and, um, you know, a a year later I ended up moving over there and, um, yeah, I, I started emailing people like kind of straight away and everyone was saying, don't, you know, it's New York, don't email us three months out. Nobody's going to give you a job. So it was quite funny. I was way too prepared, I think. And, um, eventually I, um, yeah, I just went when I got there and found a random retail job as a stylist which is essentially a glorified um sales assistant but it was yeah for a really nice store i'd never never heard of it at the time but um yeah started working there and then i started interning and applying for internships and um yeah i, I got an internship at a magazine initially um it's called bullet magazine which is like apparently i think it's actually shut down now um <laughs> but it was like at the time it had a massive cult following so i'd never heard of it but um, anyone sort of that I talked to was like, oh, bullet, that's awesome. And, um, but yeah, it was just like the internship from hell. (laughs) It was terrible. Um, and yes, just some crazy people working there, I guess. Sort of the boss there was just nuts. I've got, you know, I've never met somebody so horrific in my life. But anyway, um, and then I got another internship at another magazine after that, which was, uh, nylon magazine. And that was kind of much the same. So... (laughs) pretty cool. It was cool. And then you en- you ended up in film. Well, yeah, I think the internships literally pushed me so far in the other direction that I swore off fashion. I was like I, I don't want to do fashion anymore. These people cuz I thought like New York fashion was the pinnacle um you know, it couldn't you couldn't get any any higher sort of thing in my eyes. And then when I worked with these people, I just you know, I was so turned off by the way they treated people. They, they sort of would throw things at you. They'd say, Hey intern, like they didn't bother to ask for your name. Like it was just like some of the conversations I was part of. I just was like, it was, I had to hold my tongue so many times. It was so awful. So after that, I, um, yeah, I ended up with the job that I worked in as the, the styling job. I actually randomly met a director and we just got, got a chatting and, um, I said to her, I've always loved film. I'd love to work on films. And she actually was like, oh, I can get you an internship. And I sort of thought, oh, it's too good to be true. But she gave me her email and I literally went home that day and emailed her. And um, yeah, she ended up emailing me straight back. And actually she called me and she was like, cool, I'll I'll get you on. We start Monday. Um, And then, yeah, she got me on the film and I just rocked up and met the the wardrobe supervisor, met the... um, the designer and it was awesome. It was sort of literally working like 20 hours a day on that film and I just like, it felt like the day was five hours long because it was just, I loved it so much.
0: That's so cool. Who, I remember we've talked a little bit about some of like the celebrities you ended up working with, or the actors, I should call them. Yes. Um, Can you name drop any?
1: Um, I'm really bad, I'm bad with names, but um, there was um, Jennifer Connolly. Um, like Elizabeth Banks, wow. Um, Anne Hathaway. I remember Anne. I'm sure I remember yeah, Dakota that Dakota banning.
0: in the middle of New York. Like, yeah, just how cool. Yeah.
1: All the some of the sets that we went to. Some we we would go out of New York. We'd obviously travel and like those were just. Amazing, like just the cre- craziest, like creepy, you know. Just depending on what, what we're shooting, but there were some insane scenes and in some of the houses you'd go to um, to film, and yeah, it was very interesting. But it was very cool. Like I would always get really excited when they'd give me the, um, they'd be like, oh, you know, you've got to run this outfit over to, um, you know, to whoever it was, like Anne Hathaway. You got to go and she's got to she's got to have it up in her room. So she'd be filming a scene, and you'd kind of like go and have to knock and just check, like, oh, she's not in there, or she's still filming, and like hand them over their clothes like hang them all up set all their shoes out set their accessories out so they know like what they're, they're dressing into and it was yeah it was just super cool kind of like um, working as a team as well I guess so
0: yeah. Very cool. Fun. After New York you came back to Brisbane and you were working in fashion which is funny because you <laughs> didn't really want to at a point. Yes. <laughs> did, did the film stuff kind of change your attitude a little bit towards fashion?
1: No I don't think so. I think what happened was pretty much I came back and started work well starting to try to work in film again I was really adamant to to still stay in wardrobe and costume because it's still essentially fashion um and you there's that creative element to it that dress dress kind of element but I think um I liked the fact that everybody was so diverse in, in film and there wasn't that cattiness that I found in the fashion industry in New York so I tried to pursue it and it would just sort of, um, it was too hard here. Like, I had a very niche set of skills that was specifically in wardrobe. Um, and I think that was only because I only had a few, you know, a few films up my sleeve. But I think a lot of other people have a more diverse skill set and they're able to kind of find more work here. So, after that, I ended up just um, catching up with an old boss um, that I worked for previously and she literally just offered me a job. And I was like, okay. So I was like, oh, fine, I guess I'll do it just, you know, just to have money and make money again. Um, And then I kind of fell back in love with it. I was like, oh, fashion's so much better in Australia. Everyone's nice here. And yeah, so that's how it began again.
0: Your skill set really is that you are a designer and that's what you said was your passion. um, Even from a, yeah, from a little girl, you wanted Mm. to design (laughs) wedding dresses. What you were doing design for a different company right before launching Apero, what was it about that job or the situation or the circumstance that made you think, I think the time's right. I want to do this for myself. I'm going to launch a label.
1: Um, I think it was probably just not being able to call the shots, I think. There was a lot of elements at play, a lot of different things, I guess. Um, but that was probably one of the main, like, frustrations is as a designer, you kind of, like, have a vision and you, you know, you can see it in your head. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'd even, like, sample something and I'd, it, I'd be like, I love this. And then it would be something as simple as, um, you know someone being able to go over the top of me and say like, oh no, I think we should do it in in black. And I'd be like, oh, but this colour is amazing. Like, you know, that was the whole idea. And it's just all those little things where you're like, I just think it would sell better if it looked like this or, you know, and like someone can come in and and change them because I guess, you know, that's their business so they can do whatever they like. And so I think that was probably a main catalyst to really push me in that direction because I, I really just had such a strong will with the designs that I liked and really wanted to just be able to put my foot down, but you can't, I guess. So I think eventually, you know, there was other factors at play that really pushed me as well. But I think, um, Laz, my husband also, um, you know, he was very encouraging of just like, now's the right time, you know, that we can do this is probably no other time in our lives where we could, you know, you can go and um, try to pursue something. So that that also helped as well, having that encouragement. So
0: That was literally only about three years ago. I think it must have been 2017. Would that yeah. be right? Yeah, yeah. So, um,
1: not even three years because I think –
0: I think you launched Apero in August. August or September. August 2017. Yeah. So yeah. I told you I'd know all the facts. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um
0: but in terms of, I guess, that thought process of thinking about, yeah, winding up where you were and if we we're gonna launch something, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. So you do decide this in mm. 2017, somewhere in the middle of it. Yeah. What do you even do to launch a brand? And how do you decide? Did you already have an idea about what your brand would look like and, yeah, where do you go to make fashion and create a, a whole fashion label?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it wasn't super overwhelming, the the fashion side of it, because I'd been doing it for quite a while and I also, um, you know, knew, I had connections, I knew people and it, you know, all that sort of stuff helps when you already have experience, you kind of know what to expect. But I guess with, from the business side, um with the reasons we sort of decide, well, I decided to do the t-shirts was, I guess in design, you're always looking at inspiration. You're always looking at, um, Pinterest and other things, what other people are doing and kind of, you know, to get motivated and kind of like come up with ideas. And I, I definitely saw was, was looking at a lot of bloggers and noticed a lot more of the sort of, you know, really cool boyfriend style teas that were very, um, heavily kind of like logoed or or whatever it would be, um, I was noticing it a lot more and I guess there was a really big kind of trend or like a (laughs) – I don't know, I feel like a few years ago it was very much the opposite where everything was very minimal. Nobody wanted to wear branding on anything. It was just kind of like very inconspicuous and then it was just an interesting thing that I noticed a lot of and I sort of thought, oh, this could be a trend that will really die off quickly but at the same time it sort of hadn't really um, taken off in Australia, hadn't seen it a lot so I thought, oh, it would be a really – easy thing because it's not super risky. Like obviously with fashion, you, there's a risk of production issues where things come in and you're like, oh crap, this is totally wrong. This isn't what I wanted. And, you know, just that there's is cost issues in, involved in that. And there's all these different factors. So I thought like t-shirts would be so easy. There'd be a lower cost. It would be, you know, it wouldn't be as risky because I was essentially going to be pouring all of my savings into this. And so I like, I, I definitely ha- came to terms with the fact that if it didn't work it's just money. It's just my life savings. It doesn't matter. Um, but I literally had to come to that reality. I was like, if, yeah, if I lose it, it actually is just money. I still have lads. I still have a husband. I still have family. I still have friends. I will survive. It doesn't matter. Um, and that was like the most freeing. Once I had that mentality, I was like, well, who cares? Like if it fails, it fails. Um, So, yeah, that was kind of why I started with that idea. I just sort of really felt like it was going to be a trend that was going to stick. I mean, a T-shirt is classic in its own right. So, um, yeah, and I I just thought, well, I'll give it a go and, um, yeah, that's sort of how it all started, I guess, in in terms of, yeah, getting momentum and how it all happened, um, I pretty much just started to make a list of stores I really wanted to I knew I wanted to retail the brand and I also knew because I had um, in a previous job a lot of wholesale experience I knew how to that I wanted to wholesale it as well so I just sort of um, started making a list of a lot of stores that I wanted to approach and then I guess that was kind of the real catalyst I did obviously did Got the samples produced, which was the easiest part for me, I guess, because um that's sort of my my whole thing. So I did the designs, I sourced the fabric, I you know found a a a t-shirt sort of shape I tweaked, uh, you know the the shape that I wanted, and kind of came up with the shape that I thought this is the perfect tee that I would want. Um and did all that side, so I got the samples made. Um and. Yeah, from there I guess it was more so just trying to put the lookbooks together and then start approaching um, wholesalers. So I would literally email like hundreds of stores a day. Um, I made this crazy list. I would email them all like a you know this big email that I put together, and I'd have the the line sheet and lookbook and all the product info and everything. And um, yeah, I literally of of all the stores that I emailed. I I don't think I had a single response from the first email. Not one store responded. So you have to follow up. Absolutely. Like I... I would have followed up some stores like six times and it would be on the sixth time that they would email and be like, yeah, oh, I'm super keen. I'm really interested. Or they would say, no, you know, I'm not interested. I don't have any room for another label or something like that. But yeah, I just kind of, once you, once you have one store respond after like four emails and they're like, oh, I'd love to see more, then it makes you just go, well, you know, I'm just going to keep trying until somebody says no. So
0: yeah, that was- the momentum.
1: Yeah, and it worked. And, and I think I was able to sort of secure- uh, I, I, I can't quite remember, but it was I think it was around a hundred stores. Wow myself. So And yeah. how
0: many tees did you start off with in that first say lookbook?
1: Yeah, it was just uh seven. Seven
0: tees. Yeah. So for anyone that's not familiar with the brand, Apero's collections are still to this day based around kind of branded teas. So the logo's beaded, embroidered, or printed. You do create all those styles, some are kind of femme cut, others are a boyfriend cut, a baggy, a loose um, T-shirt. And it's just such a funny thing because I remember when we talked about this years ago, you were like, oh, it seems like it's been a pretty big trend overseas and maybe in New York, but I feel like Australia might, um, we might have missed the boat on this, we might be too late on it. And it's just amazing to think you started with seven (laughs) T's And the brand has grown into what it is. So pretty amazing. You did slowly build each collection to include more tees, but plus you also included fashion pieces. What was it as, was it a business strategy to choose to steadily grow in that way?
1: I think it wasn't necessarily a business strategy. I mean, I guess I always wanted to do that. So I knew I always wanted to eventually add more in because, um, you know, doing design, If I just kept producing T-shirts every day, I'd just be so bored. I wouldn't enjoy it at all because um, I know I can do more and I want to do more and, and, um, you know, you always kind of want to be able to create things that you love as well. So I was always kind of like, you know, I'd see things I'd be like, I want to design that or I want to make something that kind of like is like this and, um, you know, if I was just creating teas, I think I just probably wouldn't be super happy. So it was one of those things where I knew, look, right now I just need to do this because it's, it's what I can afford to do. Um, and then once we grew, like we had that momentum and we were able to start actually making a bit of money from it, that was when, um, we were able to then start producing more fashion, slowly introduce really basic styles. Um, and then, you know, the more that we grew, the more that I could be more adventurous, um, you know, because obviously, you know, the crazier the style is, um, the more expensive it is to make. So, you know, you've got to balance the, the cash flow initially. So
0: When we talk about fashion pieces, of course, we're talking about, say, skirts or dresses or other items that kind of fit in throughout the collection, just for anyone that's kind of curious what it means when we're discussing a fashion piece. Um, Apero has grown at a phenomenal rate because you haven't marked your third birthday yet. And I still remember in the early days, we would be sort of hanging out on a Saturday and we'd all get a buzz because you'd get a notification on your phone. (laughs) There'd been another purchase and everyone would... We used to play a game about what style was it that someone's bored and we'd have (laughs) to guess different things about it um, because you would get those notifications on your phone. Or my other favourite game was when we saw an apero in the wild, as
1: we used to call it. I still call it that. Yeah,
0: we still when you spot an apparel apparel T-shirt in the wild. And we would wind down the windows if we were driving past and kind of holler out to the person, which is... I would always
1: tell friends, like, please go up to people and make sure you say, I love your T-shirt. Like, that is the (laughs) best T-shirt I've ever seen. I was like, yes, make sure you say that so that people are like, oh, cool, maybe I'll get some more of these. A great marketing strategy, good advice. I've never done it personally. I'm just, like, too afraid someone will somehow notice me one day, but um,
0: yeah. And be like, did you make this? (laughs) (laughs) What, has there ever been a point where you've stepped back and thought, you know what, I think we've made it. I think we've created a successful business.
1: Um, I don't think I necessarily had a defining moment where I felt like, oh, we've made it. And I don't know if I necessarily feel that now, but I think just over time, the longer that the business went on and the longer that I did it, I think I just started to feel more confident in the idea and in, in the brand itself, because what I kind of came to realize was I was worried that the sort of branded tea trend was going to end. But I think the thing is, is initially what we what we started out with, with Apero was seven T-shirt designs and of those designs, only one was branded with the actual Apero logo. So it was it was kind of actually a last minute decision to even do that particular tee. We were doing a lot of French inspired words and like, you know, as you would know, that is everywhere now. So I'm glad, I'm glad that we obviously did do the Apero logo, but initially I was like, I don't think this will sell. I don't know if people want to buy a, a t-shirt that says Apero. Not everybody knows what that means. So for me, I think it was more so a fear that I had of like the whole trend's going to die, uh, you know, of having writing on on a word. But the longer that things went on, the more I realized people really loved the Apero tea, And it was literally from that first collection that I realized everyone wanted the Apero tea. They didn't even necessarily know what it meant, but they were buying into the brand and a lot of the other styles then we just dropped them off and um, stopped kind of, I stopped designing things that were, um, you know, had anything else but a parrot on them because even um, sort of Our agencies that we have now for wholesale, all of them like the the stores just want apparel, everything. Can you put branding on this? And like, I'd produce something that didn't have branding. They'd be like, Can you put a logo somewhere? And I was like, Are you serious? Like, everything just had to be. And like, that is kind of frustrating when I want to create something really minimal, and I'm like, I don't want a logo on this. Um, And now I just don't do it if I don't want to, which is cool, but um yeah I think that was kind of it's been a long process and you know sometimes I still have my freak outs but I think once I realized wow people actually are buying Apero the brand um and they're loyal to the brand that was when I sort of started feeling like oh I think this will actually work and it's gonna you know it's got longevity I love
0: you saying people started buying into the brand because that is exactly what it is. And having a branded tea is the best form of marketing that you could ever possibly have. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure other fashion labels would be envious of that level of marketing. Yeah, And it is kind of like it's got a cult following. How do you feel about that? Most of your customers are, re- you know, they're repeat offenders. They're people that come back and yeah. they love your product and they want to walk around with the whole world knowing that yeah. you created this thing
1: or <laughs> well, even I find it mind-blowing because we'll get orders and people will literally buy eight like apparel branded t-shirts and I'm like what what are you doing with all of those like <laughs> one I just for in every one purchase, day of the week <laughs> yeah I just can't wrap my head around it but um yeah like we just have some crazy crazy orders and I'm like wow <laughs> it's really flattering but even I just can't wrap my head around it so it's quite funny but I guess we, we just feel really lucky as well that people sort of they love, I guess, the look of the brand, the meaning behind the brand, um, you know, what we stand for because we obviously, um, you know, give back with our brand as well. So I, I, don't know, I don't know exactly what it is about the word apparel or why people necessarily bought into that and then don't buy into other brands because other brands, I've seen so many brands try to bring out their own logo and you just kind of look at it and you're like, I don't know, it just doesn't sort of have something is kind of missing. So I think there is something kind of special about Apero Um, and I love like the meaning of the word is sort of um, we decided on a perro because we had gone to Italy and France a few years before and we were having aperitifs every day, which is sort of like around that five o'clock time where you'd have a cocktail, you'd have a wine, and they'd, you know, ask you if you want a little, they'd put out a little like thing of chips or nuts or whatever. And it was sort of just like the best vibe. Everyone was kind of happy and it was like that happy hour time. And like I've never sort of forgotten it. And so that was when we were coming up with names where I was like, what about a perro? Like it just kind of was a little bit personal to both Laz and I as well. And we both were just like, this is awesome. That sounds, it's got a great ring to it and it's got an awesome meaning. Um So I don't know if that's what it is as well. And um yeah, but I'm, I'm super glad that people like it and, and want to buy
0: it. Because the branding is about, for you in particular, you're mentioning, it's, it's about a lifestyle, isn't it? It's Absolutely. not, you want, and clothes don't really come to life until someone wears them. I mean, if something's sitting on your bed, it, you know, it really needs to be seen and be on a body. So it's kind of a really nice tie in that it's not just a garment, but it's a
1: feeling. Definitely. And that, and I think that's something I've always been passionate about with fashion is just the way that it can change a whole person like that. That's the whole idea. I think from when I was young that I really knew, and I always kind of loved about it, that you could literally express your mood, who you are, like so many things. And, and, you know, it's bad to like judge a book by its cover, but at the end of the day, like you can present yourself so differently, the way that you look and the way that you dress. So I think I've always found like that psychology behind fashion so interesting. Um, and so, yeah, like I think clothes definitely come to life as soon as you put them on. That's, that's the beauty of them.
0: It is the most divine kind of sense of creative expression, isn't it? Because as you say, judging a book by its covers frowned upon, but we all get the chance to show the world who we are exactly. in one glimpse which exactly. is which is for if you are a creative for Definitely. sure you've never had a bricks and mortar setup or structure to your business obviously people can buy your clothes in boutiques and other retailers that you've permitted to sell a pero, but most people come directly to your website and buy clothes directly from you so when something like the coronavirus happens do you see an alteration in business
1: I think initially, when everything was very unknown, we sort of, we were just as much sort of in the dark, and I guess there was a bit of a inconsistency with sales that we noticed, um, and I think it's to be expected as well. But definitely, there was an, a bit of something sort of like noticeable at the beginning. But as yeah, being online, as things have developed, and I think as people have kind of gotten used to it and have been more informed, I think definitely it's kind of been business as usual. And if anything, like the last sort of month have really seen a big upturn in online. So we've been super lucky with that. And we've noticed actually a big sort of, um, big increase really, I guess in the last few weeks, which we're, which we're feeling super blessed about. But the main impact I guess for us was in that, um, wholesale capacity, because we obviously stock to a lot of stores now and, a lot of them had to close. So I think it was a, just a matter of stores not wanting to necessarily pick up their orders and take the stock that they'd committed to. So that was the main kind of fear for us was like, you know, oh my God, we've got so much stock that these stores have pre-ordered for particular releases. And, you know, we can't get out of that stock. That stock is coming and we have to pay for it regardless. Um, and we just hope that these stores will will actually commit and and pay pay for the stock and take it. And so far we've been pretty lucky. We definitely have had stores that have turned around and said, no, like, you know, I think in those initial weeks, but most stores are actually still doing really well. Um, Surprisingly, they're kind of, I think, have started to see a bit of an upturn again as well and they've been picking up their orders. And yeah, so we have been lucky, but I know that, yeah, a lot of businesses have seen a big have been really impacted by everything. And I think as well we are lucky because we're 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 loungewear and, you know, you can wear a pair at home, you can wear it out. It's We're so vi- versatile, especially with the T-shirts. So we've been really lucky that, um, you know, people still want to buy our jumpers, they still want to buy the T-shirts um, and we've just been able to rejig some of our releases so all the dressier things were sort of just pushing them out a bit and, yeah, we've been lucky.
0: Lounge has definitely seen a resurgence and a funny time of year because, um, you know, uh, coronavirus happened in moving into a cooler time as well. So everyone is at home and they're rugging up. So a great time to buy a jumper. Absolutely. Where to from here? Do you see yourself holding on to a perro for life? Can you imagine kind of selling the business on to someone else or would it upset you to have someone else trying to design, I guess, fashion pieces under a name you created?
1: I think so. I think a perro is definitely sort of like a a, a little baby. Like it's it's definitely my baby and I guess it's something that I love and I've, you know, I feel really proud of. So it would be pretty hard to, you know, to pass it on at the moment, I guess it's something that we, um, we want to keep doing and we want to keep growing and, um, you know, expanding even internationally, if we can, it's just sort of still in that phase of just like, what do we want to do? And, you know, we have bigger plans for it. So to sell it, you know, in the near future, I think would be a bit of a, um, a bit of a shame. So yeah, I'm excited to keep, keep going and keep seeing what happens and I think you know we're in it for the long haul so I'm excited.
0: Very excited to see what Apero brings us in the future. Rachel Mellers smith thank you so much for spending 30 minutes with me talking about Apero and your life and business and that little glimpse of success. You're modest (laughs) and you won't admit to it (laughs) but um, you're incredibly successful in your own right and you should be very proud of what you've created.
1: Thank you thanks for having me.